I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It is Tommy Moore! Robbie Robbie Weekly. Little reverse pass. Hello and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly. I'm Murray Kinsel. I hope everyone is very well. Gavin Casey is taking a well-deserved break this week. So it's just myself and Bernard Jackman here. How are you, Bernard? Very good, thank you. Lots happening. Yeah, there's loads to discuss with Ireland, um, having just named their squad for the last two rounds of the Six Nations. But first, we're going to touch on some breaking news from World Rugby. They've uh, confirmed the appointment of Joe Schmidt as Director of Rugby and High Performance. That role is going to start in November. Um, and just a quick quote from World Rugby, they say, Schmidt will head up a new department in the International Federation responsible for the high performance match officials and technical services functions, including player welfare as well as training and education. It's a pretty wide-ranging role, Birch, but great to see him back in the game. Yeah, absolutely. I was only thinking about him uh, a couple of weeks ago. It's been obviously... Um, just nearly a year since uh, since he finished with Ireland, and uh, um, he, you know he must be refreshed mentally, physically. Um, he's a guy who absolutely lives and breathes um, the game. I know he's been, you know, as you know, he's been working with World Rugby um, in terms of trying to make the breakdown safer. Um, he's been helping a lot of coaches. He, he came on a coaching group I have and and gave us um, an insight into his his knowledge and expertise. And but you know, look at he's so. Um, he's so knowledgeable and uh, he's so passionate about rugby to get a role like this I think um, you know at a time when world rugby are obviously under big financial pressure um, but he can actually have an influence on in how the game develops how it's refereed how it's coached um, and it's it's an outstanding position for for someone who I think can, can add a lot to it Mark Egan it's it's changed slightly in terms of you know how it's worded and, and the job description, but he takes over from another from an Irish guy, Mark Egan, who's um, done a done a hell of a job and a, a long a long stint there. But uh, yeah, I think Joe Joe's the right man for the job, and hopefully it goes well for him. Absolutely, I think it just suits him down to the ground, um, especially with all the law stuff and and having influence on that. And as you say, he has been doing that behind the scenes. He was never going to be just slipping out of of the game altogether. He did tell us he's retiring from coaching, and I suppose. That's uh, come to pass, but um, we'll definitely miss his set-piece plays and some of that stuff, but definitely going to have an influence as things move forward. Um, and as we say, welcome to to be back in the game. So best luck to him in that new role. But the big news really, Bernard, is the, the Ireland squad. Andy Farrell's named a 35-man selection for the final two rounds of the Six Nations. So he'll name a, a different squad for the Autumn Nations Cup in November. But I suppose the headline news is six uncapped players, Ed Byrne, Will Connors, Jamison Gibson-Park, Shane Daly, Hugo Keenan and Ryan Baird. They're all included in the in the senior squad. What do you make of that, Bernard? Are, are those guys deserving of the inclusion? Exciting to have guys like that coming into the Ireland squad? Oh, it definitely is. And look, at a lot of them have, have built up quite a bit of, of experience at provincial level now. I think... You know, Daly. Daly's been really impressive um, in, in, in taking this opportunity. I know he's not, you know, super young, but um, he's just starting to break through now into the into the Munster team. Um, yeah, look at this. There's lots of there's lots of familiar faces there. Um, some new players like Gibson Park, um, obviously coming in, and he's he's had to get ahead of Luke McGraw over the last couple of weeks, and and um, you know. Cooney being out is probably a bit of a talking point for for a lot of people, but I think for for Farrell it's it's there's still a lot of areas of uh, 
uh, of question question marks around form, fitness, etc. So um, it's it, it's exciting to see what he thinks is going to be a squad for Six Nations. Obviously, there's a week after those two games where potentially he can he can bring people back in or freshen it up, but um, or be more experimental. But yeah, I'm looking forward to to see. Um, how how this shapes up and how Ireland play to be honest you know it was such a small sample pool of of games um, and even though he hasn't been able to get them together in lockdown um, you would still like to think that they've been able to um, you know clarify or, or or start to form the game plan uh, and make it a little bit better yeah it's going to be a really interesting couple of months ahead really exciting as well as those uncapped players he's included a few more. Uh, additional training players for next week um, Craig Casey the 21 year old scrum half from Munster 21 year old out half Harry Byrne from Leinster who was in in that kind of similar role earlier this year James Tracy from Leinster adding an, another uh, body at hooker and Fineen Witcherly 22 year old lock from Munster uh, who's shown his potential and dynamism especially in the, the last couple of weeks they're all included which is great and also James Lowe Bernard a guy who doesn't qualify until early November so he won't be eligible to play until the Autumn Nations Cup but like it probably makes sense to get him in now and get him familiar with the environment uh, ahead of that qualification. Yeah, I think this is a really good initiative. Um, you know, actually formally announcing who's coming in and um, giving guys experience. In fairness to Joe Schmidt, he he regularly brought people in um, to train with Ireland um, without without him being effectively named um, and just giving them an insight into what it's like in camp. Um, and also, I suppose it's an opportunity for the national coaches to get a look at him uh, outside of the glimpses they get at him when they play for the province. So James Lowe is obviously he's very experienced. Uh, James Tracy is very experienced, but I really like Witcherly. I think he's he's a guy that hopefully we'd see more of in a in a Munster jersey. And you know, Casey, we've spoken a lot about it in this podcast, and and he's probably becoming more familiar to Irish rugby fans. And, and Harry Byrne, every time he gets a slot for Leinster, um, impresses. So I think that's. That's great, uh, and it's nice to see and know who's kind of in the in the spotlight. I remember last year, you know, Tom O'Toole was was probably a bit of a left field call for for one camp camp before he started to kind of get regular game time for Ulster. And um, I suppose it gives you a clue into you know who the coaches see as being potential internationals out there that aren't fully capped. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's clear now that Andy Farrell is lining up Harry Byrne as that long term successor, probably to Johnny Sexton, but he's got a job ahead of him in Leinster with his with his older brother Ross. I think what we're going to do, Bernard, is maybe work through the kind of positional groups and look at the squad, who he's selected, who's missing, and maybe who's unlucky because there's there's so much to talk about in this and each of the selection groups is, is interesting in its own right. Let, let's start maybe with, with loose head prop because he's gone for just two in Keen Healy and Ed Byrne, uncapped Ed Byrne, 27 years old. He obviously had what was it, 28 months out of the game from 2014 to 2017 with some horrific luck and, and knee injuries. And now he looks bigger. He's starting to fulfill his potential, really, I feel, and has been good since the restart. But just to uh, loose heads, you have Andrew Porter there on the tight head side who can cover it. Do you, do you feel maybe that's actually an option Ireland are going to look at? Yeah, I definitely think if, if Furlong was fit, um, that he would obviously be starting a tight head and then Porter may have been looked at as, as a loose head. Um, uh, I think it's great for Ed Byrne, you know, he's he's a very solid player, very very capable. In actual fact, he's probably scrummaging better than Keane Healy at the moment. Um, his set-piece work is, is going really strong. Um, he's part of the Leinster leadership group, very well respected internally there. Um, so it's, you know, it's a great, great for him. But I, I still would, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Porter featured a little bit of loose head 
over particularly in November and maybe not the Six Nations if Furlong gets back um, and then John Ryan and Finley Bealham um, obviously uh, complete the, the mix there interestingly you know James Tracy's added as a as a development player you know but realistically you know if those three players Kelleher Herring and Heffern are fit you probably don't see him feature so probably surprised they didn't add a sixth prop um, just to have a little bit more cover there but I suppose just the way the uh, the way it works here it won't be hard to draft someone in um, for live scrum sessions etc and you'd have to think that the scrum is going to be an area that uh, is going to focus the mind and um, you know they'll want to make sure that they get some confidence there given what happened to uh, to Leinster which it's obviously an Irish team now but I wouldn't be surprised if the starting front row was was all Leinster to be honest mm. Like when I looked at the squad first Bernard obviously exciting to see some of the new names but really noted the absence of Tyke Furlong and also Dave Kilcoyne who still hasn't featured with his ankle injury how big a blow is it not to have those guys particularly given that they had so much punch around the pitch oh, yeah, I think it's it's massive and um, you know we, we've seen you know how over the last 12 months how the game is is you know fav- favours those uh, big physical punchy you know uh, powerful ball carriers and uh, men who can knock people back in in the contact zone you know strong set piece and um, Ireland are we're looking a little bit light to be honest you know you take Sikking Healy got an injury um, there you know you've got a you probably don't have a, a front a front row you know that that probably has that experience or are proven at world class level you know there's lots of there's lots of potential. I think Heffernan's a really good player. You know, I think Ed Burns a really good player. I think Keller has huge potential. Um, but it wouldn't. As how would you say it? You know, Eddie Jones wouldn't be looking at that group and going, you know, we're in trouble. Um, and that's just that, that, that's just the reality. So I think there's a real onus on starting to to bring these guys through and 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 get them um, experienced enough at, at international level. So you know, they're really comfortable there. Yeah, definitely. I think it. I think it will be, especially that loose head slot. He nearly turned thirty three just yesterday, um, and like we're not writing him off yet, but he's obviously getting towards the end of his career. Um, and I think long term, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with Porter. For now, obviously, as you say, they're going to be relying on, on uh, at the tight head side. Tom O'Toole is missing through injury and and would have been in there otherwise. But John Ryan and Finley Beelham get back in. I think Ryan probably has had a frustrating time at Munster. Really, they seem to view him at times as an impact sub. Um, behind Stephen Archer and, and they've rotated between that role Finley Beelham looks back to physically his best after the um, the ankle injury earlier this year so uh, great for them to be back in the mix but definitely long term something for, for Farrell to focus on what about at Hooker how do you see it going Bernard Rob Herring was the I suppose he's the incumbent Keller yeah. was pushing him hard and Heffernan's there as well how do you see that going in terms of first choice and backup uh, look at I think um, I think Keller got some experience off the bench um, in, in the Six Nations, obviously a bit of a blip at the start of the season, losing his place for for Leinster. But uh, I thought he was very impressive the other night against the Dragons. I thought he was good coming off the bench against against Saracens. And I think he's the future, to be honest. Um, I, I, you know, I like I like Heffern a lot as well. I think he's a he's a good physical presence. Um, and you know, he could push through. I, I could see Keller being number one for sure, and I could see Heffernan passing out Herring um, uh, and. Giving you a little bit more, giving you a little bit more dynamism uh, as an impact player off off the bench than I think Rob would. Uh, I think Rob's a really tidy, you know, player um, and a decent set piece. But I just think, um, given given our probably overall size and power of our front five, particularly without someone like Kilcoyne coming off the bench or 
or furlong starting, I think it's really important to get two really powerful hookers. And, and for me, Keller and Heffernan um, have the most potential now and, and obviously over the next two or three years to, to really grow into that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I th- I'd be surprised if Keller doesn't end up even by the end of this campaign as, as the starting hooker, just with that power as well. Um, and it's going to be an interesting challenge for the front row around. I think Italy will be licking their lips because they love a scrum um, and that'll be an interesting challenge. It's 24th of October that Ireland are back into action in, in Dublin. The second row choices are Ian Henderson, James Ryan, Quinn Rue, Ty Byrne and 21-year-old uncapped Ryan Baird who's shown his potential Bernard, over the last few weeks. Devon Toner drops out of the mix here. I suppose it's not a major surprise in the end but 70 caps, what a test career he's had and he'll obviously be staying on standby because we saw after the World Cup how he bounced back and, and got into the squad. Ulton Delan is the other one to drop out. Um, he's had a, an injury in the last week or so and we're not quite sure if that's the decisive factor but it would have been tight between himself and Rue anyway, I think. Um, w- what do you make of these options here? Burn back in the mix after having missed out earlier on this year, Bernard. Um, but Henderson and Ryan are, are clearly the senior locks. Yeah, I think Henderson and Ryan are senior locks. I think Baird is going to is going to push um, push through massively, and I think um, it must be very tempting for Farrell just to give him give him the opportunity, you know, because we all know he's probably got um, a yeah, bigger upside. Look, Ty Burns is a great player, um, but he's probably maybe more suitable to that squad as, a, as as someone who can cover lock back row. You know, there's only six back rows picked, so um, and if you want to have your two most powerful or three most powerful locks there in terms of what they can also do around the field uh, with the ball are Henderson, James Ryan and, and Baird. Ty Byrne is, is a great player around the field, but maybe from a from a scrummaging tie five point of view, maybe just a little bit light in that. Quinru is very strong in the set piece part point part part of it, but probably doesn't have the the all round overall game of Henderson, James Ryan and Ryan Baird. I thought Delan you know, in that game, uh, first round of the season against Ulster, I thought he was outstanding. Um, and uh, yeah, so he's probably someone that uh, is a little bit unlucky. He has that athletic ability that, you know, Ryan Baird, probably not as much as Ryan Baird, but definitely Henderson Ryan stuff. So I think he's he's someone who will play a lot um, over the next couple of years. But I'd love to see Baird come in. I know, you know, he hasn't served his time. Um, I'm not saying he should take over from Henderson, but uh, he, he, I'd like to see him get some game time between you know the last two Six Nations game and, and this competition in November. Absolutely, and and I mean, I, 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 there's definitely a temptation to put him in against Italy and just start him and, and see how he goes. And obviously, that's a, a big ask, as you say. He's only relatively new on the scene compared to someone like Henderson. But even the response you get from that from a guy like Henderson, who, who realizes that this 21 year old guy is on a massive upward trajectory. I think can have a really positive effect. Um, we're probably in agreement that James Ryan is one of the first names on that team sheet. But again, he's a guy who can improve. He's still a young player. He's he's certainly finding his voice in, in both groups now, I think. Even just speaking to him recently, we had a press conference with him and he's he's more confident in his communication, even in that environment. And, and certainly by all accounts in, in the squad setting as well. Um, like, is it realistic, Bernard, that Baird can come in and make that instant impact and, and be a starter for Ireland at his young age, particularly given it's a, a tough area of the pitch, the second row. No, I think it is. Um, like he's he's hit all the markers so far. Um, we know that he has this freakish athletic ability. Um, maybe he's got some work to do on his on his set piece detail, etc. But um, 
it's just the way the game has gone. You, you know, you can't you can't cover up for for a lack of power or athleticism, and he just has it in in, in spades. And uh, yeah, I I think give him a, give him a, a shot, let him find his feet. You know, uh, this is definitely a an opportunity to experiment a little bit, um, you know, over the, over over the over the course of the games. And you look at the French squad they've picked. You know, an average average age of twenty four. I think an average number of caps of, I think it's just under fifteen. So, like, other teams are looking towards that towards the World Cup or or next year Six Nations even. And and this is a a chance to get like sometimes Ireland only have three games in November, um, you know, and it's it's maybe difficult to to to, to mix it up. We haven't had a, a summer tour. Like I, I I would like to see some chopping and changing and and, a, and an eye on the future. Um, in this competition and if you're going to do that someone like Baird has to be one of the prime candidates yeah and that's a great point w- without the worry of rankings around the World Cup draw which like the seeding for that's already done and that's going to happen in December and and in fairness the, the sounds from Ireland can't bar that Farrell's going to view that Autumn Nations Cup as the opportunity to try a few new things We listen we've heard that before let's, let's hope it happens because everyone's in agreement with, with your point there that developing it and, and adding more competition is a, is a really good thing yeah, they're the the second row options. Gavin Thornbury's another one who, to watch in in that area. He's been improving, but been unlucky with injuries. Um, Jean Klein will be a guy trying to force his way back in. I know Quinn Rue's selection will raise some eyebrows as it always does, but he's a big aggressive lock. As you say, he's a set piece operator, isn't he? Powerful at scrum time and and maul, and he's he brings aggression. Let me just bring it back to uh, Byrne. Ty Byrne, you mentioned there again. Like, is he a lock at Test level? Because I probably have the same kind of. And Joe Schmidt had those concerns about his kind of bulk in the second row. Is he better six or maybe even a kind of bench option? I, I, look, I think he's a phenomenal player. I, I rate him really highly, but I would either start him as a six um, and have him as a you know a, a really strong third lineout option, you know, um, or on the bench where you know you could you could uh, he covers lock and back row, so it just gives you that. Um, extra extra slots and you can maybe pick a seven then on the bench if you wanted uh, because you know he he's going to cover um you know the other op- the other options for you so uh, look at I, I i would struggle to see I, I i i don't think he's in the top i i would rank them james ryan baird henderson tyburn quinn Roo as locks you know but you know if but tyburn being on the bench or, or starting at six um in certain games for me where you want to Really go after teams, line out, or you want to bulk up your 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 pack. Um, I would, I'd have no issue with him starting there. I think he's a very good player. It's just um, I don't think he's an, an an international starter week in week out as a lock. Yeah, he's got a, a lovely skill set with that jackling, that line out threat, his mobility. So maybe a horses for courses kind of selection depending on on who you're playing. Uh, interesting to see what role that he has. Uh, the back rows. So Bernard, this is always going to be a competitive one. And uh, certainly a divisive one. The options that Farrell has opted for are CJ Sander, Peter Omani, Josh van der Fleer, Jack Conan, Caelan Doris, and Will Connors. So Jack O'Donoghue's the one to drop out of the squad from earlier this year as, as Conan makes his comeback. Let me start with Peter Omani because, again, he's getting lots of criticism and, and people are questioning his place. Do you, do you think he's lucky to be in this squad? I look, I think he's always going to be in the squad. Um... He's a he's a key guy. He's part of the leadership group there. He's a huge amount of experience. Very good player. The test will be now to 
you know, to respond um, and find some form. Uh, I didn't. I thought he had a quite game in the in the Pro 14 final. Obviously, he had a, a tricky enough game last weekend against Scarlets, um, where he probably didn't do his case um, for selection any good. But he is still a valuable member of the of, of the squad, um, and I think he's right to be there. To be honest, I think you know Farrell has to give him some credit. He's got credit in the bank, but I think whatever game time he gets. Um, I don't know if he'll start the first game. You know, for me, Doris would be the six, to be honest. Um, but, you know, look, at a fellow like him who's, who's been around so long, they have it in him to, to up their game again and, and find that form. And I, I would have no doubt that we'll see, you know, a strong performance from him when he, when he, gets, uh, when he gets the opportunity, which he will, which he will. Um, so, yeah, I have no issue with him, with him being there. Yeah, I totally agree with you, um... I kind of blame Devil's advocate there a bit. He's got 68 caps and it's worth remembering that he got dropped for Doris in the first game of this year's Six Nations, came off the bench after just a couple of minutes and delivered a really strong performance against Scotland, against Wales. No one had a good day against England, obviously, but he has that recent Ireland credit in the bank. Plus, I mean, what is it? 68 caps worth of Ireland Lions experience. It's not something you just discard. Last weekend, he was poor and I thought the two yellow cards were reckless, needless, kind of left his team in trouble when they probably needed the leadership more than ever so that's a a, a red X against his name but there's been yeah, loads I think of it's a fine line he's obviously frustrated sorry he's obviously frustrated with how they played in the in the, in the final um, you know feels a huge responsibility to to show that passion and drive and just overstep the mark uh, so I, I can kind of understand I, I agree with you it was, it was sloppy and, 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 and disappointing from a player of his experience but I can see I can. I, I nearly sometimes prefer to see someone trying to do something, and, and rather than just be a passenger. But obviously, you got to get it get it right. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I think he, he's he's experienced enough and intelligent enough to to be able to park that. And I think he'll rise to the challenge. I think he'll see Doris as being a a real threat now, um, and I, I'd expect that to get a bit of a bounce from his form and and hopefully um, get back up to the level he's capable of. Yeah, Will Connors is an interesting one there as well. He was probably in line for a cap against Italy earlier on this year before the the delays um, and he's back in there based on some on some decent form Jack Conan as well back in the mix so so what how was it shaping up in your mind Bernard the starting back row that first choice back row um, look, I think it's going to be Kalen CJ um, and probably Josh to be honest but I think Will Connors will, will definitely get um an opportunity uh, over there but I, I think that CJ will still I think Palm will lose his starting slot I think CJ will keep it mm. and Josh will probably keep it it's a tough one isn't it it really is tough because yeah really tough. obviously you want a seven in there but I, I'm almost looking at thinking I wonder will Andy Farrell be tempted not to have a clearly defined seven there in his back row potentially even standard Doris at Conan and I know they're three I mean they're three number eights really aren't they they're three similar players but we know that Andy Farrell rates the dynamism of players as one of the key factors, and as it should be at test level rugby, power is is absolutely huge. You're you're missing out on a line out option there with Omani, obviously, but Doris is working hard in that area. Um, it's 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 very tough because Van der Fleer provides so much relentless energy and work rate, and and that's really important. But maybe against some of the bigger teams, he hasn't been as decisive a factor, and we just don't know about that with Will Connors either. Um, obviously, he got the opportunity against Saracens. Uh, and, and did a good job on Billy, Billy Vunapola, but not massively prominent otherwise. So this is a, a tricky area for him, as always, Bernard. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, and look, there's obviously the other argument that you could maybe play Peter at seven and, and you know, mm-hmm. really beef mm-hmm. up your line-out and, and physicality. Um, look, at the, I think Jack, if Jack had a better game, a big game against Saracens, you know, he could have potentially been a front-runner there. Uh, but CJ, CJ's just so consistent for Ireland, um, and, I, and I can see him... I can see him getting the start. I don't know if the, if he go with Jack, CJ, and Kalen, but maybe maybe they will. Maybe they're going to look to to mix it up, and and um, that's what's going to be fascinating. How the Irish coaches across the board have have reviewed last year's you know cut short Six Nations and uh, and how they see the team start to develop. Because I think post World Cup there was probably still an element of of sticking with the tried and trusted, um, and I really think now over the next twelve months you're going to see more Farrells you know, own opinion on us. We briefly interrupt this rugby broadcast with a message from me, Gavin Cooney. If you're enjoying this show, you should check out the suite of podcasts that come with a 42's membership package. These include Murray's Rugby Weekly Extra and also Behind the Lines, where we chat to sports writers about their careers along with their favourite pieces of writing. We have an archive of more than 40 guests at this point, including Wright Thompson. I mean, I just made an Excel spreadsheet and tried to account for every single day of his life in the 10 years between uh, Earl dying and that Thanksgiving with the golf club and the fire hydrant. Maliki Clerkin. A good idea writes itself. No, it doesn't. No, that's wrong. It doesn't write itself, but it gets you into the position where you can do the thing you're good at. And Graham Hunter, who told us of how he once faced off against a young Brian O'Driscoll. A young O'Driscoll played for uh, for Blackrock. I know this because he, yeah. hand, he put a hand off to me right in my face. I had no idea. You could... Fuck's sake, man. This is, how can this be in the rules? But I did when I woke up. So come join us at members.the42.ie. So to the scrum halves, Bernard, this has been um, a big talking point since last night. We had the story about, about John Cooney missing out. Conor Murray, Kieran Marmion and, and Jamison Gibson Park, the uncapped Leinster scrum half. Now, obviously, Irish qualified are the three in the squad. Firstly, let, let's talk about Cooney. Is he unlucky to miss out? Is this a, a poor decision from Farrell or, or could you see it coming, Bernard? Um, in a team that's not performing and, you know, at certain times... You know when Mads plays, Mads Mads goal kicks. You know it, it must be. Maybe he's just a player that needs to be like completely comfortable in being the the number one and the, and the focal point for the team, which obviously he was. You know last the last couple of seasons where it was clear that if he was fit, he was going to start, and and even probably a dominant personality in the video room and the you know in the dressing room where they're looking to him for guidance, and you can just imagine. You know, Matchison has obviously got strong opinions on how the games we played, a lot of experience, and um, you know, part of the reason Dan would have signed him was to to have his influence on and off the field as well. So maybe he's just feeling the squeeze there. Um, but I think the most important thing is, and the biggest factor is that he's playing behind a pack who who have been really poor, really poor in terms of their set piece delivery, um, really poor in terms of getting go forward, creating quick ball. And, you know, it's been a lot of pressure, you know, on John because of that. And, and um, it's a big difference from how Ulster were playing, you know, probably for the last 12 months. And, you know, he was getting he was getting an opportunity to really impose himself on the game. And, and so I think he's unlucky from that point of view. You know, he it was clear it was clear that like 
the coaches, both Joe and Andy, probably didn't feel he was the number one, and, and he kind of got in for his chance because you know his form was so good, but also um, there was a lot of pressure to to give him a shot. And I feel a bit sorry for him now because as soon as he's had a little dip, he's out of the squad completely. You know, which um, is is pretty harsh. And you see, realistically, there's four nines ahead of him because you can include Casey. You know, is going to be in there getting getting reps, etc. So. Um, I do feel sorry for him. Uh, I think there's a huge pressure on Connor to to step up. You know, he's been out of form a long time, and, and um, you know, I know he's had some some injuries, etc. But it's just really he's he's probably in there, and there's probably not much credit left in the bank. You know, he needs to show, show some form, um, and from that point of view, I suppose Cooney will feel hard done by because he's not the only player out of form. Not not included in the squad, um, but I suppose the counter argument is some of the other boys have a lot more credit in the bank uh, than he has, and uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how it affects his, how it affects him mentally. How can he use this as a as a motivational tool and and, and to come back and bounce back now and, and be really dominant again? I think that'd be a great response from him. But um, look, I can see why he's out. I probably feel maybe he deserved to still be in the wider squad, but um, I suppose Gibson Park. Gives you tempo, Connor or Marmion gives you tempo, um, and hopefully Connor gives us control and 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 uh, quality. Yeah, you you do feel sorry for Cooney, and he'll feel he just wanted that starting opportunity for Ireland. It would have come in the Italy game probably earlier on this year because he was pushing Murray close. As you say, it's a real test for his resilience, which. I mean, he does work hard on, but he's had that experience of being dropped for Matthewson for the Pro 14 final, the biggest game at the end of the season for, for Ulster, um, and kind of shock dropping, I suppose, and now this as well. There's there's more to it, there always is. I, I know Joe Schmidt felt that Cooney didn't train consistently well when he was in Ireland camps under him, and, and obviously Farrell was there as well to see that. And I know that sounds, and, and Cooney will himself will be frustrated by that kind of view because he'll as he says himself, he's all about playing, getting out on the pitch and delivering, and that's what he does. But uh, we know that coaches also factor that in, and um, I think there was some, I suppose, frustration from the coaching point of view with that. Listen, Cooney's not finished, as you say. He's he's going to hopefully bounce back with Ulster. And even last weekend against Benetton, we saw more glimpses of his, of his usual self, some lovely creative play. He had four line breaks, set up that James Hume try really well, and, and now he'll try and get back there consistently. It's also worth mentioning he... I think he came out of the lockdown with a bit of an injury niggle um, and that probably slowed his, his start to the season. So get fully fit, get firing again and, and hopefully we'll see him push back into the mix. The Murray one is really interesting, Bernard, though. He's been the he's been on this throne for so long with Ireland. Look, clearly he's not at the levels he was in 2018. But again, he's not playing behind a pack who's delivering perfect set-piece ball and, and really well-recycled rock ball every single time, which was the case back then. But there's no doubt also that he's not at his best or close to it. How realistic is it, in your eyes, that Kieran Marmion or Gibson Park push past him now? Um, it has to be realistic. You know, it has to... It, like, I think he'll get the start. I think he'll start against Italy um, and maybe against France. But uh, realistically, if he doesn't show more in in those two games, uh, I think over the course of, of, of uh, November, he's going to have to... To look at either bringing True Marmion or or Gibson Park because we realistically we're not going to see Ireland um, at their best if if our nine is is just a little bit off and and again it's like I, I totally agree he's got, I totally think he's got a lot of credit in the bank but 
um, you know, it, it's going to be harder for uh, for for Farrell to to keep squad harmony and to keep guys, you know, really really on under toes if if there's a perception that it doesn't matter how you're how you're playing, you know, certain guys are still going to get in. So there's that element to it too. So look at I think he deserves probably you know, he deserves to start against Italy, um, just just based on what he's capable of, but. I think there has to be, you know, I've been saying this for a while now, but there has to be a, a real sign of um, of a return to form. Yeah, definitely. I'd almost love to see Marmion start the Italy game just because then you maybe, I don't know, you fired that response even before the before Murray's had a chance to get back into nine jersey with Ireland. And Marmion's been good. I know it's only two games we're basing it off, but he's put those back and ankle injuries and the World Cup disappointment of 2019 behind him and he looks really hungry and sharp physically and... Again, Connacht talking about him training really well and being a really big presence, positive presence again. I'd almost like to see him start. And it's not like he's an inexperienced international scrum half. He's been around the environment loads and had some big days with Ireland as well. Um, And I definitely think there needs to be that competitive edge to it. Um, Conor Murray and every player benefit from that, from feeling under serious pressure, which just, as you say, it hasn't been the case. So um, interesting to see how that one pans out. The out-halves... Bernard or Johnny Sexton retaining the captaincy, Ross Byrne and Jack Carty back into the mix in place of Ulster's Billy Burns, who's had an injury recently and, and hasn't been able to hit his best form, certainly. Uh, great to see Jack Carty back in there, having lost, I suppose, his confidence in form post-World Cup. But again, it feels like, obviously with the captain uh, name beside him as well, Johnny Sexton's very much still out in front. Yeah, absolutely. I think from a Connacht point of view, to have six players in, um, you know, is is really healthy for them. Obviously, Ulster have four, um, and and Carty has he, he's been look. He has a he has a skill set um, that's that's really exciting. Um, I think uh, you know, obviously, the World Cup didn't go great for him. There was a bit of a hangover from that. He struggled a little bit to to bounce back, and lots of young players, you know, have those dips, particularly in a position. Uh, like 10 and also we have to remember that Connacht weren't playing very well and had a lot of injuries so he definitely suffered from that but I'm, I'm delighted to see him in I think he's he, he's uh, really found his form and, and um, is enjoying his rugby again and then obviously you've got Johnny who's who's captain and um, you know I thought looked looked really good obviously uh, so far this season um, Saracen's game was, was difficult because the pack um, were taking a pounding but um, in the in the games he played before that, I thought he looked sharp, and you know Ross Byrne, who, yeah, his anytime he gets a chance, in fairness, he looks so composed for Leinster. So um, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, who becomes second choice there, I suppose, and uh, you know how how Mike Cat sees sees that, and obviously the succession um, to Johnny when he eventually you know finishes up is going to be going to be fascinating. Because mm, it does feel like, particularly with the Autumn Nations Cup, it feels like this is a really good chance now to get a bit more certainty behind Sexton. Obviously, Joey Carberry is missing and he would be the guy almost certainly. But with Ross Byrne, Jack Hardy and maybe even Harry Byrne potentially coming into the mix for even a selection, which seems like a massive leap given he hasn't really done that with Leinster all that much. But it feels like they can't really miss this chance, Bernard, given Johnny Sexton is 35 and we're not writing him off by any means, but... That Autumn Nations Cup is a lovely chance in the halfbacks. Yeah, well, I think what you'd like to have is is a combination coming together behind. So obviously the Connor Murray Johnny Sexton combination has been unbelievably successful and, and and have had a a really long tenure and could have a you know another two or three seasons together. But 
you know, what are going to be the, the two guys coming together? And what, can there be a partnership? You know, can you have them either started together uh, or, or coming off the bench for the last 20 minutes together so that when eventually Murray and Sexton finish that you nearly have two guys who've built up some some experience and, and cohesion, um, you know, to, together. And it's kind of like, you know, you see Dupont and um, uh, Intermac, you know, playing together, you know, at club level and building that relationship, and that's obviously going to help France in in, in the future. And will that be Marmion and McCarthy, you know, or or will it be the two Leinster men, Gibson Park and, and Byrne, um, or which Byrne will it be? That's you know, that's all um, that's all a possibility, and it'd be interesting to see whether they just say, okay, well, we see Johnny as Johnny's replacement as being X, and we see Connors as being Y, or are we actually try and develop a relationship between both replacements together over the next while and. Um, you know, nearly future-proof the the transition in that you could have you know two halfbacks replacing two long-standing uh, players like Sexton and Murray, but they might have had twenty caps together. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Really interesting to see how that pecking order works out over the next few months and beyond. Centres, pretty straightforward. We've got Bundyaki, Gary Ringrose, Robbie Henshaw, Chris Farrell, and Stuart McCloskey also included. So, not many talking points there apart from. Bernard, who the, the starting partnership is going to be. I have a pretty clear idea in my mind, but what are you thinking in, in terms of the midfield? Yeah, I think Bundy and Gary, to be honest. I think Bundy's been outstanding. Um, and I think Gary's world-class. I think he's he's so important for Ireland. Um, and when we don't when we play when we don't play him, I think there's a huge amount of pressure on 10 um, from, from having an additional kicker, particularly without Rob Kearney now. Uh, and probably his influence in terms of his ability to to be an extra kicking option was maybe under underplayed. Everyone talks about Rob Kearney under the high ball and how safe he was, but when you had a, a left footed kicker um, who was as as skillful as he was with his kicking game and a threat, it basically took pressure off Murray and Sexton. Even if he never, if he didn't kick very often, it just it totally changes the. The, the backfield cover and what they need to watch for so um, while Gary's not a left footer I think he's got a, a kicking game that's improving a lot and, and can potentially give us a, another option there and then it's just the ability to beat people so for me I think it's great to see Stuart McCluskey back in he, you know he's he's been outstanding for Ulster for a long time um, unfortunately for him I, I don't see him getting past Robbie or, or, or Bundy at 12 uh, for the moment and for me it's, it's, it's Bundy and, and Gary I'm not sure who you like yeah, I'm thinking the same. It's hard to it's hard to miss Bondiaki firstly at the moment because he's got so big and his energy is just unbelievable. The last day in, in Galway, I was down there and every single moment of the game, even after he's taken off, he's just living it and, and inspiring others around him. Ringrose, totally agree with you. Uh, a classy footballer and, and a guy who for me is, again, like James Ryan, one of the first names down on the team sheet. So um, Henshaw's a job in his hands. I, w- I wouldn't totally discount him. Obviously, so experienced and um, definitely... W- you know, one of the best defenders in the squad from that, that 12 channel certainly is underrated there probably and, and has good footwork in, in traffic. Chris Farrell's combined his physicality and, and his ability to play the ball and, and surprise defences maybe with some of his passing but um, Aki and Ringrose look um, difficult to really to look past. Are you waiting too long for your rugby podcasts? Hi folks, Gavin Casey here and that wasn't actually me but tell me this, what are you doing with your Monday mornings? Fighting the urge to weep? 
Well, the 42's Murray Kinsler and internationally acclaimed performance analyst Owen Tulin have a better idea as they join forces in the early hours of every Monday to produce the most cutting-edge rugby analysis available to the human ear. Rugby Weekly Extra takes you back into every tackle and jackal from the weekend's action in both hemispheres and is available exclusively to the 42 members. So, encumbered by that dreaded back-to-work feeling on a Sunday evening? <laughs> say no more. Replace it with a back-to-rock feeling. Who wrote this? And join the lads, as well as the Members Rugby WhatsApp group, by becoming a member of the 42 at members.the42.ie. And finally, Bernard, to the back threes. Andrew Conway, Stockdale, Jordan Larmer, Shane Daly and Hugo Keenan are the ones selected here. Keith Earls is missing through injury and also Will Addison, who's a long-term injury. He's had back surgery, so he's going to be missing for some time. What's your sense of this area? The, the uncapped pair, Daly and Keenan, come in, but are we looking at the first three I mentioned as as the starters again? I'm not sure, to be honest. I, I maybe sense that effectively he's gone three wingers and two fullbacks. And the two fullbacks are are Keen, uh, Keenan and 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 Daly. Um, I would like to see a bit more of them, to be honest, as a fullback. Um, I think we know Jordan can play fullback. Um, I, I genuinely think that he's a, he's a better winger at the moment, um, and I have yet to be convinced that um, he has the all around footballing ability or skill under the high ball. To give us what we need uh, as a fullback, and I'm not looking. He can definitely play there and and do a good job. But I'm talking about, you know, really nailing down our fullback for the next four or five years. And, and I, I think Keenan is a better fullback than he is winger. And and that's no disrespect to him as a winger. I think he's he's a good winger. But I, I like him having two sides to attack. Um, I like him under the high ball. I think he's composed. Composed. And I think Jacob's out of form. I think Jacob uh, is really out of form. And I know I've said you know Connor should maybe get a start against uh, against Italy and and I don't think he's playing brilliantly but I think Jacob is is probably the in the worst form of anyone going into that squad um, to be honest and I I think I would start with Conway and Jordan on the wings and um, yeah I I play either Hugo or, or Shane Daly um, at fullback and I, and I'd make you know I I expect Jacob to to book up and 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 you know, have more impact on games. And again, I'm not overly worried about the mistakes he's making. It's it's how those mistakes um, can affect the rest of his game and how he can go missing, you know. And, and for a guy of his experience, um, you know, in on big occasions like Toulouse away or, or Leinster in, in, the, in, the, in the final, I just think you have to, you have to bring more and you have to take responsibility and make make big plays uh, or at least try and make big plays and I just don't see that at the moment with him so yeah I, I'd, I'd love to try and find you know I, okay if Jordan ends up being our best full back well then that's that's fair enough um, but really have a look at what else is out there and uh, I know they think a lot of Will Addison um, but I'd love to see more Keenan and Daly in this in this block yeah absolutely I agree with John Larmory for me he's a wing and obviously players can change and learn new skills but it, it feels a little bit forced with, with trying to play him fullback. Um, he's definitely still an option there, of course. Um, but I'd love I'd love to see Shane Daly given a chance, even in the Italy game. Just get him in there. He's buzzing with confidence at the moment. He's taking his chances in Munster, and as you say, he's not exactly a kid anymore. He, he's 
he looks like a confidence per, a confident personality who'd, who'd love that occasion and, and has risen to every challenge so far uh, the same is true of Jacob Sockdale you're, you're bang on like he's not a kid anymore either he's 24 years old and and there is a different expectation on him now. It's not like he's um, this shiny new thing who's broken into the Ireland team and, and did brilliantly in 2018. We can see clearly just how good he can be at the very highest level. But uh, again, like there probably hasn't been the level of competition there for his spot in, in the back three. James Lowe is coming down the line very quickly. And I think it's brilliant that Daly and, and Keenan are in the mix as well. Conway's been so consistent and, and for me, totally deserving of, of a place on the right wing. Um, so that's going to be a really interesting uh, battle. Overall, Bernard, I guess to, to sum it up, how are you feeling about that Ireland squad? We've worked through it now. Big games against Italy to come and, and, and Fr- Italy and France in the Six Nations and then that All Nations Cup. How are you feeling in terms of confidence for what Ireland can do? Yeah, not massively confident, unfortunately. <laughs> um, a bit a bit worried. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's really important that we start to develop a, a style of play, start to develop... Um, some some confidence. I, I still think there's a hangover from from 2019, um, and it's no one's fault. I mean, you know, it was such a short Six Nations um, for us. Probably Leinster losing the Saracens um, puts more doubt, you know, in 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 the players around how we can compete against teams who are, you know, really physically smart and have a, have a good set piece and a good kicking game. Um, and you know we're gonna we're gonna face some some good teams. France away is gonna be a real test for us. And, um, you know they look like a team on the up. Uh, coach better now. Have have some ex- exciting talent. Uh, young team with no fear. Um, starting to build some some real confidence. So that's could be that could be a test for us. And if we if we were to play really badly and and that doesn't go well, then you know there's gonna start to big doubts creep in. So I am worried. Look at I think the coaching staff. They have a huge job on their hand to to develop a style of play um, and and find the players who who can do it. Um, scrum scrum is going to be uh, a worry now, and it's interesting to see Leinster scrum against the Dragons the other night and changed how their back five set up pre scrum, copy and pasted what Saracens did, but that's not how Ireland scrum. So suddenly you've gone from having real alignment in your provincial teams to the national team and everybody having a similar philosophy with their own little tweaks on it to, you know, a drastic enough change. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's plenty of question marks and, um, you know, the only time, they, the only way they can be answered is if, if we can get to, to see these lads together on the field and, and hopefully we get a November series. Yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed on that front. They, they're due to go into camp next week. But first, um, and we're going to finish by looking at these games in the, the Pro 14 round two for all four provinces and this is the last chance they have to use their internationals some of them until December really um, it's going to be a long stint without them all four of the provinces are playing on Saturday Ospreys against Ulster in Swansea Benetton, Leinster in Treviso Munster versus Edinburgh at Thoman Park and then Cardiff Blues versus Connacht in Newport at Rodney Parade that's been moved to uh, fingers crossed on the on the COVID-19 front there's been further testing obviously in Munster and Ulster after uh, cases there but uh, as as things stand, obviously the fixture are due to go ahead. Let, let's go through them each, um, working backwards, Bernard. Just on, on Connacht and what you saw against Glasgow, how did they shape up in your eyes in terms of what you expected and, and what you actually saw in that second half? It's, I thought they were. I thought they were excellent. Um, they definitely are the team who've got the most ambition in terms of playing. Uh, you know, a high tempo, get the ball to wit, uh, keep the ball alive uh, type of game. 
and uh, yeah, I thought they you know, they really impressed me in that in that game against Ulster when they went strong, um, and then they had obviously the big preseason break then because they weren't in the knockout stages, but. That was a that was a high quality game. Glasgow are a really good side, and I thought they um, they deserved to win it. So in a good place. I watched Cardiff against Zebra. Um, they got the win. You know they had a yet red card, uh, but weren't really impressive to be honest. And uh, you know I think Connacht will go there fancying a, a chance. Obviously, there's no crowd. It's not in Cardiff's normal ground. It's in Rodney Parade because the ground has been used as a as a hospital for um, for COVID. So. It's definitely a chance to to go and get a, a great away win and just get a an absolute flyer to to the start of the season. I think Connacht are in a in a really good place and, and credit to Andy Friend and the coaches um, for getting them back and getting them ready to go. For me, for me, David, crack a chance of winning. Yeah, definitely, and and cut out the penalty count. I think and they can do damage to any side as they recognise themselves. Loads of confidence in their attack and really looking forward to seeing them play after last weekend. It was it was great down in Galway actually. 200 fans made a, a right old racket so that was really positive as well and fingers crossed I know level 3 is in there but we can get back towards that sooner rather than later what of Munster Bernard they had a dramatic win with Ben Healy stepping up to the plate over um, at Parky Scarlets they're at home to Edinburgh who, who obviously are a solid team as well what what did you make of the performance before obviously the dramatics at the end um, pretty average to be honest I thought uh, I, I thought they they tried to have the same game plan they had against Leinster, um, but it wasn't really any more effective. Uh, it was fairly loose. It was only really the last 20 minutes that they started to up the ante, um, kind of like they did in that first game against Munster, against Leinster in, in the Viva, uh, where they, they really start chasing the game. And uh, yeah, I just think they're still over-reliant on the, on the contestable kicks um, and slowing it down. They're not really getting Delande and Farrell into the game um, as much as they need to. So um, I, I think they're still struggling to find the style of play or a style of play that they can execute really well. But maybe, look, at that, that win and the nature of it, you saw how, they, how important it was and how they celebrated at the end. So maybe that'll give them a little bit of confidence. But I, I, I see them very much in transition and probably more in transition than you would expect given the fact that, okay, it was, it was an unusual preseason, but given the fact that Larkham and Roundtree are there a long time, are there longer now, um, and uh, still seem to be caught a little bit between being very conservative. They're certainly very conservative. So, and I think if they're conservative, there's, there's no problem being a conservative team, but you need to have you know real dominance um, in in your set piece and really dominant in in your kicking game, and they don't have that at the moment. So I would like to see them play a little bit more. And have a go, and if they do, you know they have the players. They have a very good first team on, on paper, and they have the players to do it. So I'm not overly sure about where they're at at the moment. Mm-hmm. It was good to see Healy obviously standing out in that regard, showing his metal. Gavin Coombs and Witchley were excellent off the bench, um, and we've you've mentioned Witchley's potential earlier on. So hope to see more of them. Craig Casey obviously getting a, a good stint on the pitch. It wasn't an ideal game for him, but we saw lots of glimpses of his potential as well so fingers crossed that that development which you Bernard have, have called for plenty uh, continues under Johan van Graan Leinster as we say away to Benetton having beaten the Dragons convincingly in the end uh, aside from the scrum did you see any signs of um, pushing oh, yeah. forward? It was, a, it was a much better it was a much better Leinster performance at Hot Murray um, they decided to keep the ball in hand it was real intent um, and you know I think they probably well I think they're probably a little bit gutted they didn't 
probably score more. You know, there was probably uh, there was probably fifty points in them there. There was a little bit sloppy in that in that third quarter, um, and probably kicked the ball away too much. To be honest, when you no, know, they did a few crossfield kicks when it wasn't really needed. You know, there was there was there was cover there, um, and I think they probably could have kept the ball in hand a little bit more. But it was huge. It was a huge improvement in, in terms of energy and intent. And, you know, I thought James Ryan wanted to really take the game on. Um, I thought the, the front row that started the game, you know, Ed Byrne, Keller and Bent, um, actually were far better than the one that came on, which is Healy, Cronin and, and Porter. Um, and they lay down a real marker. And, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how, how that unfolds. Um, but, yeah, no, it was much better much better performance and yeah, they're good enough to go to Ben. I think they can go on they can go unbeaten for a long period in this in this Pro Fourteen. Um and they'll see that as uh, as a as a as a given and I, I think they'll be quite quite ruthless in terms of going and just racking up wins now. Yeah, we kinda of have to wait a, a fair few months to, to learn a bit more about them. Uh, uh, Osprey's Ulster on Saturday five fifteen. Ulster coming off the back of well, a very exciting win over Benetton in Kingsman Stadium with six hundred people there. Again, great to see what did you make of their performance um, given they started so well Bernard and, and also a couple of the young guys standing out yeah I thought it was good to be honest I think like they have you're, I was waiting to see how they would react to obviously disappointment of Toulouse and, and um, they, they definitely started the game really well they played some great stuff very, I'd say I'd be very disappointed with how they let Benetton back into it consistently um, and didn't kill the game off but I thought there was there was um, Definitely bright sparks and delighted to get the win. And, and they have they have some talent in their academy now. You know, we spoke about Munster's academy and and some players that that can come true. And I think um, you know, it, there's definitely there's definitely they might not have the same numbers as 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 Leinster, but there's a couple of players that uh, I'd like to see a lot more of over the, over the next while. And um, yeah, Dan Dan will be really happy to get that win and 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 start and show some good attacking form. Absolutely, Stuart Moore, one of those young guys, and and good to see David McCann uh, making his debut off the bench as well. So loads to be excited on that front, and fingers crossed we get another clean sweep for the Irish provinces before they head into camp. That is all we have time for today, Bernard. Thanks as always. Thank you, Murray. See you next week. Um, and thanks everyone for tuning in. We're going to go on a brief break actually next week, um, just for the members podcast and this Thursday podcast. Um, myself and Gav are both going to be away, but we back up and running on what is it Monday nineteenth of October after the Champions Cup final. On the Monday, you can check out members.the42.ie for more on that. And the regular Thursday podcast is also on a break, but we'll be back again the following week. So looking forward to speaking to you all then. Cheers for now. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> it is Tommy Ball! Robbie, Robbie, weekly. Little reverse pass, and